0: Welcome to the Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors and hear about what they're learning, what they're teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Behind the Sermon um, podcast with Pastor Jeremy, Pastor Nate, and then we got (laughs) Pastor Travis. Um, If you were here at church on Sunday, um, you would know that Pastor Travis laid down um, kind of the laws of accountability and friendship um and we got some yeah we get, what's up guys how you guys doing I'm doing great
1: doing pretty good over here
2: not doing too shabby over here
1: nice yeah I thought you were gonna get negative I'm not doing well <laughs> like, I'm right. not doing well I'm and very start crying sad. in the beginning of the podcast <laughs> you know it's we been cry rough together it's true I said this uh I had a uh meeting with Pastor Nate before this Um, but, uh, when I joined the zoom call, I realized how tired I look because I stayed up too late playing a new video game I got for my birthday. Uh, so I'm good aside from how painful my eyes are from making poor choices, but, uh, it was a fantastic video game and I'm going to get a lot better sleep tonight.
2: I also made a similar poor decision because my (laughs) wife is out of town. So.
1: Video games.
2: Stay up and eat junk food.
1: (laughs) Proud of you? (laughs) You should be. be. The
0: Facebook workout people are messaging you right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. You referenced that in your message. Oh, that was was sad. We know.
2: They're knocking on my door. We know what you're doing in there. (laughs) We heard your wife is away. Yeah, Jehovah, we're like Jehovah Fitness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so good. That's awesome. Oh, man. Well, hey, Travis, how
0: how did you let's just kick it off? How, did, why is it that friendship and accountability were the first things on your mind when you we were talking about together, talking about the assemblies of God? Um, where'd you come up with those things?
2: I mean. Uh, part of it was personal experience and then part of it was pastor Nate saying, Hey, I'd love for you to touch on these things. <laughs> so there's <laughs> a little bit of both. Um, I think um for me, I really, really want to focus on fellowship. And then I believe in pastor Nate, correct me if I'm wrong. You, you wanted to focus on the accountability side of it. And then like together we, we just kind of realized like, yeah, like, those go hand in hand. You can't really have fellowship without accountability and you can't Mm. have accountability without fellowship. And so, um, you know, those really do go together. Um, and for me, assemblies of God fellowship is like the, the biggest thing for me.
3: I, you know, I don't remember any of that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think, when we because this is one of the series that we changed and I don't yeah. remember what was going to be here originally but we added this one in a, I don't know a month and a half ago and one of the things that I wanted from this week is to show that as a church we aren't isolated and we're not indiv- we're not independent Um, And then the the reasons why and the positive things of that. So we're not a non-denominational independent church as much as Travis tried to portray that in the message yesterday. We
1: are
3: are connected with a group of churches. And that's a great thing that we don't have to shy away from. Um, And the benefits far outweigh the negatives. So, what are the negatives?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's go through it. Let's gripe. You want us to? Maybe we got some. No, probably not. No? no. You're going to get me, not with me on
2: the call.
3: The negatives are... Here are the negatives. Oh, honestly, you could, you can do the perceived
1: negatives, right? The perceived negatives of...
3: Well, I, I think... I think there are some real negatives because there are people who I'll never join a denomination or I wouldn't join the assemblies. um, Mm. And there are people who have left. So some pretty big names um, have left um, and and they do their own thing. I think um, like Hillsong is a pretty famous one. Brian Houston was leader of the assemblies of God in Australia for a number of years. And um, they eventually left. He said they were too big. I mean, honestly, they were. Their single church was bigger than the denomination. Um, yeah. And so part of it made sense. But then there was an implosion after they left. Yeah. He had had a little bit too much to drink. Um, and he lost his ministry once he stepped outside of that covering, which is... Anyway, anyway, some of the negatives that you hear over the years is that, um, you know, they try to control you. There's politics. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And some of that is just a narrative. They're just people just say what they say. And you just repeat it because it's easy to say. Uh, It's like calling people racist nowadays. (laughs) just say it whether it has anything to do with like i don't know why i just like white milk in my coffee uh how does that make me (laughs) racist um and but also it does happen you know i've heard stories from other districts from other denominations even um over the years that would make me question whether or not I would be a part of that. Hmm. I think I th- district offices move slow. I think they not always, they don't always have a concern for the local church or the local pastor. And those are some some of the negatives, but the positives again outweigh all the negatives.
1: I think I think another thing that <clears throat> could be like seen as a potential negative is Right, like, there's always this scary thing of, like, right now, organizations, and I mean, like, businesses, do this thing where they pretend that they can share their beliefs as a company, but but you can't do that. Like, you can't represent every employee, right? Starbucks, we believe this. Well, maybe not every barista believes that, right? But within the denominations, like, they do reserve the right to say, no, we we believe this, and you—you'd have to be willing to work through that, right? Like I—I f- I forget which church, which denomination did it, but right, a denomination a few years back changed a big stance that they had on um, the LGBT community, mm-hmm. and the, 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 yeah, that was like
3: twelve years ago, maybe yeah, two thousand eight. Yeah. That time frame it was the Episcopal Church.
2: Well, no, I it thought, just have no. recently with the Methodist Church.
1: Yeah, the, the, the United no, Methodists Methodist. did that as well. And it's like now all those churches who like said they were, yeah, we're, we're all this. And then the higher office said, well, this is actually our stance now. And all these churches like, yeah, we don't believe with them anymore. So like they only wanted to believe with them until it wasn't convenient for them and their beliefs. And I feel like that's a level of trust that we have within the Assemblies of God is like, well, one, they're not going to be as wishy-washy as some other denominations. I feel like they have really good position papers, um, but it's the same idea. Like we are submitting our theology to what they're working through, and we would have to work through that as they release things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of a piece me and Travis were talking about. Is you know because I had someone come up and they're like, "Man, did did AG change?" I feel like they. They loosened up. And I said, no, everything Travis said was was right. Like, they can't come in and say, well, this is how you reach people. This is how you do this. Uh, You need to change this ministry. But if we go off the rails, they still have full right, right? Like, if we go off the rails theologically, they still can come in and be like, hey, so you're under the Assemblies of God and you're preaching Jesus is one of the ways to heaven. So let's hold you accountable here. Right. right. So that, but I view that as a benefit and a safeguard to our church family. Yeah. So
3: they can't tell us how to do ministry, but they can peer pressure us. Mm. Yes. Um, so. You know, so people can, what denominations can do is get stuck in doing it a certain way. And, you know, I just don't think that's godly. I don't think churches should do that. How can you call yourself Christian and do that? And, you know, it can be about all kinds of different things. And so they can peer pressure you, but they can't, within our denomination, they can't, as opposed to the Methodists, where they choose who your pastor is. And every four years, you get a new pastor. Mm. and they own your building and they can decide First to tell it. The they way. can decide to close down your church um and the AG can't do that without going through a process mm. so let's talk about me as lead pastor if i begin preaching doctrine that is in error according to the assemblies. There's some things that are open-handed issues that I'm free to have a different position on. There are other things I'm not allowed to, like Jesus uh, being the only way for salvation. If I begin to preach a universalist message, um, one, the church has like some action they can take. They, they can... You know, they can... Um, First, they should bring it to the church board, but then they could bring it to the district and say, hey, I, you know, we're just concerned our lead pastor, not just one time off the cuff made an accidental statement, but the narrative and, and the evidence is here. He's he, he's in doctrinal error. So then, yeah. you, you know, then they can bring me under an investigation, um, review my stuff give me a chance to repent or correct or go through restoration. Mm -hmm. And then if I choose not to, then they, their position is then to protect the church. And so then I would be removed from from the church and have my credentials taken. Mm -hmm. Same thing, whether it's something immoral or something um, uh, unethical, like if I was, Stealing money Maldives. or, um, or abusing people like verbally, the, mm. you know it provides yeah. a, a protection. Yeah, there as well. Um, so rambling. Yeah, so- I'm gonna go get a sweatshirt because I'm shivering. So part of me, bye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know something that the Assemblies of God. It's not like in every church, but I know some of the churches like believe that, um, it's simply like we, as a church, we have some female pastors. So like pastor Victoria and pastor Lisa, um, and I'm sure more to come. Um, but we like, we're, we're part of like the very, like that percentage of churches that actually do believe in female being pastors, um, and having that, um, that spiritual, um, kind of like overlook for the church. (coughs) um, and I know that some, some churches even in our district, I, I, I talked to Travis about this, but um, some churches in our district don't even like push for that or don't yeah. even go as far as even believe that. So,
2: yeah, I'll, I'll make something clear about that real quick. Um, there is a position paper that the Assemblies of God have women in leadership. So the Assemblies of God as a whole uh, empowers women, pastors, right. women in leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, they see women in leadership throughout the Bible um, and but there are some pastors and some people that do not agree or believe that women should be pastors or in leadership. So it causes um, it causes them to, you know be a little off, but the AG doesn't see that as being something that disqualifies them right. from the theology of being assembly of God or disqualifies them from being affiliated with the assemblies of God, right.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, and we've referenced it twice, but if anyone ever takes the time, like researching who we are as, as assemblies of God, I, I find myself going to those position papers often. Like they're well, they are well written, um, well documented. Their website, you can find them easily. Um, and they've just they've helped a ton for me because there were things that I misunderstood as an assembly belief. And those position papers have really helped me. So I just think it's something our whole church like can do. Like go to AG.org. Is that it? Yes. And they have a whole yeah. position paper section. That's that's really awesome. Um, but I think like so similar. So Travis brought it not just church level, but personal level as well with going through accountability and how like that is a level of, of fellowship. I feel like for the same reasons, people would be, uh, against being a part of the assemblies of God is almost the same reason why people would not want accountability within their own church as well. Cause it means I'm going to be held to, A standard. They're going to have a conversation with me if I step out of the agreement that I've had with them. I don't want people controlling me. And I always feel like that becomes a red flag in my life when it's like, well, I don't want that person bossing me around because then it's saying like, okay, either I have a pride issue. I think I'm I'm better than them or I know I'm in the wrong and I don't want anyone to know about it. And so like every time people are like, I'll never be a part of denomination. It's like, why are you so scared to submit to people if you can trust their beliefs, and so when you were going through the personal aspect, that that made me think through the same type of thing. Like I feel like as a as a culture, a lot of times we really are afraid of accountability, um, because it just holds us to it just holds us to a standard that we, we don't like being corrected as a culture.
3: Accountability is a great thing. It's yeah. a beautiful thing, and it's not a weird thing like college students like to try to make it it's um <laughs> you you know if uh, spiritual growth happens through accountability mm. it, you right. know you um as we can easily kind of drift and slide and slack off and you know, we need p- not an accountability partner, but we need people in our life who are watching out for us and talking to us and saying, "Hey, I just see that there's something changed here. What's going on?" Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I it- think
2: accountability is definitely the thing that for a a lot of people, if they're not used to it, they're they're it they could potentially be turned off to it at first, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's. It's uh, iron sharpening iron, right? It's yeah, it sometimes it hurts. Sometimes you don't want to hear you need to do this better or this wasn't good. Right. And you know, so it can sometimes be discouraging because in your own mind you're doing all these things great, but someone else is telling you, hey, you need to do better in these things. And so immediately you start saying, Oh man, I'm I'm a terrible person. But it's it's all the mindset and the heart that you have going into set accountability if you're yeah. ready for some of those edges to be smoothed um, you know you, you can come out of it on the other side stronger and better than you ever were to begin with
1: yeah it, it makes me think through uh, Hebrews twelve eleven, 11 uh, which is something I always try and talk through and people are like man I, I hate this conversation or I hate bringing this up it talks to you no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening it's painful But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. And, uh, you know, we made it a joke for a little while, but I feel like we had this, you know, we had this staff culture of uh, and we still use it every now and then, Pastor Nate, of the whole uh, pickup truck conversations, which meant some real accountability had to happen. And so Pastor Nate would be like, we want to go for a drive. And it became like a thing that I knew I'm getting in this pickup truck to be corrected. And, and how I respond, you know, within that is important. And so um, like those weren't fun. And even after like going on casual coffee trips took me a while. Right. Um, But I see the fruit of those conversations now and like, I was nervous. I was so scared when accountability was happening. Um, but how we're responding to it, uh, you know, and I don't know if you guys have ever gone through that, like those type of conversations where you're like in the moment, maybe you're angry or offended. You want to quit. Um, and then you look at it a year later and you're like, man, that was a pivotal conversation in my life. Um, so I don't know if, if you guys have ever felt that, or, but I have.
0: Yeah. Um that even talking through that, that kind of reminded me of um Proverbs um twenty-seven six. And it talks through um the wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Mm-hmm. Um and just kind of thinking through that, like, um I know like from from when I left college, um, through the internship, there is a lot of that, right? There's a lot of like, accountability, there's a lot of um, check-ins and saying, Hey, like, um, what's going on here? Hey, how can we do this? Like in a lot of like healing in that, um, was very, very productive and very helpful. Um, and just kind of thinking through that now is I'm on the other side of it where I'm taking guys who are in college or high school students and being like, Hey, like, I know what the pain is that you're, but like, that you're going to go through, um, let's work on it now. And, and I talk about everything like, from like purity to like all, all of the different topics that um, even as simple as like um, just just like making sure like that true accountability, right. That, that all the friends need. Um, and now that I'm on the other side of that, I've seen the fruit from it and mm. um, I'm still happy to like, when I received that, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like um, who was it the other day? Someone said something and I was just like, yeah, that, that was good that that happened because if it didn't, I probably wouldn't have been in the thought process that I'm in now. Um, yeah. so. That's really good. Accountability is huge. And when it, like, Travis, you touched on it, when it comes from a, like, a loving friend, a true friend, like, then it's most likely gonna hurt a little less. Um, even as daunting as getting in Pastor Nate's truck is, um, it's It's still scary times. Yeah. You still know it's like at the end of it down the line, maybe it's a week later. Um, that that was good. (laughs) Yeah. Can we, I, I said this to
3: Michelle and I feel like Jeremy's doing it here that, um, the way Travis described me at that Denny's was not at all how I actually acted. And the way that you're describing, that you're implying that <laughs> I act in a pickup truck drive. Can we clear the air here a sure. little bit? Because you're going to sure. make everybody think I'm a tyrant. Yeah. So when we go on a drive, maybe we should use a real life example. What did we talk about? And then and then how did that conversation go?
1: Oh, well, some of those are hard. Well, let me first preface, uh, you're one of my closest friends. <laughs> so clearly... You're not being a tyrant in the pickup truck because I love being around you. So, just, right. Stockholm syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. Did
2: I make you come across <laughs> as a tyrant in, in the Denny's?
3: Oh, I'm just wondering if people don't know me. It was like he wouldn't let me leave. He kept asking me over and over again. And I don't remember what the question you kept saying, yeah, yeah. but I'm like, if people are putting in their own, if they don't know me, they're putting in their own narrative. Like, And I yeah. well, I get enough grief over the years for people, um, they're afraid of me and they think I'm going to yell at them. And I don't think I've ever yelled at a staff member or a church member in 20 years, what. but yet I still
1: have that reputation. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that is interesting. Yeah. I can talk through one like... What, How how it how it normally went. So I remember a conversation that we had and I don't remember I don't remember fully what we were addressing, but I had had an issue of uh, I said yes to a lot of people and I dropped almost every ball I picked up because I kept saying yes to people. And as a result, it became. Almost started to become known within the staff that if I said I was going to do something, that it wasn't going to happen or that they were waiting for it to fall through. And the, the the pickup truck conversation for us was not, listen, clean up your act or you're out, right? That wasn't how Nate presented it. Nate said, I don't know if you know this, but you have a fatal flaw. And then you talked through what a fatal flaw is, something that... My personality cannot overcome. My kindness cannot overcome because I am continuously just letting people down. I'm continuously doing this thing that and and the way you helped me understand it is like I'm letting this tendency become my identity. And that's what people think of you. And you and in that conversation for me, you were like, but this is this is who you are. You're passionate. You're, you know, you're all these other things. And you, and you encouraged me in those things, said, but no one can see that because you keep doing this. And so you need to stop doing this so people can see who you really are. And that's really like how the conversation went. And so I left it like, heck yeah, like I want people to know me for who I am, not all the balls I drop. And, uh, and so it, it, it's normally an uplifting conversation, but again, it's knowing it's going to bring up something. I knew was there, but I didn't want to talk about that's the fear, not the fear that pastor Nate's going to hit me or, or kick me out of the church. I've never felt threatened in that way, but I'm like, I know something is about to get peeled off that I've been trying to ignore. And I'm, and I feel like I'm not ready for it. And, and that's kind of how I, that's how I remember all the conversations going. Um, encouraging. Here's what I see in you, but here's the thing that we need to address. And uh, so anyway, that's how they go.
3: That sounds beautiful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, and I just want to set the record straight too. like, uh, definitely not a tyrant in these, uh, um, you know, I, I look back at that moment as a uh, very, uh, very sincere uh, moment in my life. And, For me, I don't know how Nate feels, but for me, like that, that's a keystone in in our relationship and in our friendship that I look back on as, you know, really kind of what set the foundations because what it was, was it was a friend saying, Hey, let's talk, you know, tell me how you feel, meet some how I feel. And then me trying to say, well, I'm going to start doing this with my life and him saying, well, do you really think that's what God's calling you to, Mm. you know, like, me trying to come up with these excuses and him just being like look man those are just excuses those aren't those aren't you know are are those the real thing if they are walk walk out we'll leave um but you know Nate has such a way of knowing people and seeing them and and discerning um that in that moment had 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 he just said okay that's how you feel we'll walk out i wouldn't be here I wouldn't be where I am. Yeah, I I wouldn't be as close to everyone at Restoration as I am. I wouldn't, you know, I'd be in Georgia probably. I don't even know if I'd be in ministry. Um, but because he took the time to not let me just walk out, but confront some of that hard truths and those those hard things, you know, um, we we got through it. And it it's like I said, it's the it's the heart and the mindset of the person you're doing it with, in fellowship. Um, you know, you, I'll use. You, use Nate as the example again but you know we we've had some tough conversations, some good conversations. I've had similar tough and good conversations with other people that I've served in leadership that I did not yep. have fellowship with and I walked away bitter and angry and upset mm. and frustrated and that felt like a tyrant. I've never left a conversation um, with Pastor Nate any of the leadership at restoration feeling like, man, I'm a terrible human being or I'm a terrible person or, or he's, he's, you know, mean just like, Oh, he cares about me so deeply.
1: Yeah. That's good. You, you made me think through when you're talking like Christian accountability and Christian friendship, especially with your relationship with your pastor. Like it is so different than what our culture wants. If you are looking for a, well, you, you do you. You follow your dream. Uh, you know what? You're right. You deserve that. Like Christian accountability is not for you. Like the, right. the, the difference of, I think I'm going to move here. And the pastor says, you told me that God called you to New England. But we're not leaving until you either say you heard wrong then or you're hearing wrong now. Like we got to talk this out. And like, that's a Christian accountability, not like, yeah, you know, you deserve it. Go back to your family. Which is like, I think what so many people expect and then they're highly offended when they don't just get their, their acceptance right away. You know what I mean? Right.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I could think through of people who don't talk to me anymore because of, um, you know, a, a kind conversation that you and Travis are, are both describing. Mm. But they're like, Yeah, I'm gonna leave the church, and uh, oh, all right. Well, let's talk through it. Or is that a godly decision? Is that this doesn't seem like you're leaving for anything that Scripture says? Or I'm gonna, I'm, 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 I'm dating this girl. She's not a Christian. Oh, really? What what does Scripture say about that? So, if you believe that Scripture says that, why are you doing this? Are you walking away from Jesus? Are you? And then their response is to stop talking to me, and then tell everybody that I yelled at them and yeah. I was mean to them. And w- what we do, and 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 this isn't the conversation we have with every person, but when people say like, "Yeah, hey, hey, it doesn't need hold me accountable," and then <laughs> you do just say, that. Hey, this is part of our process. You're making decisions that are contrary to scripture and the direction you say God's calling you in your life. And then they just bail on you. No, you didn't really.
2: So, You wanted accountability because it sounded good and it sounded like the right thing. Yeah.
3: What accountability can do is just ask you, You just set it up so people ask you questions that make you look good. But to me, that's not accountability. So if Jeremy, I'm like, here, Jeremy, here's the five questions I want you to ask me every week. Do you... um, Have you made out with anybody who's not your wife? Have you murdered anybody? Have you stolen (laughs) from Walmart? And um, did you not take a Sabbath? So you can ask me those five questions. And I can be like, 100% great.
1: Yeah. Thanks for keeping me accountable.
3: Thanks for keeping me accountable. And and then the next week he comes in and asks those same questions. And, but he can say, hey, you know, I just wanted to check in with you because the last staff meeting we just walked out of, you were. Like you look, we're looking agitated. You are looking disengaged. Mm. You're our leader. You know, when we're in a meeting, you've got to, and he's, and that's holding me accountable because he's, he's not just checking in on the areas I told him to check in on. Yeah. He's speaking into my entire life, which he's done and Pastor Steven has done. um, And I'm sure Travis has done it as well, but I was tuning him out. And, Real nice, real nice. Nice, But that's the hard part, like to say, hey, we are going to be in leadership together. We are going to be in church ministry partners together. We are going to um, be in a small group together. What we, our prayer should be that someone is speaking to us seeing something helping us see our blind spots, yeah. helping us grow. Because if we only grow in the areas we can see, then you're then you are going to be really limited in how fast and how far you'll grow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a key part that you just said like <clears throat> accountability is really great when it addresses our blind spots, what we're not seeing. Um, the things that we miss like the things you know but you've convinced yourself out of or whatever it may be like those type of things are what's so important and i think even like travis you talked through you had conversations that uh that you said you know you kind of walked away like man i'm i'm angry at how they handled that i'm angry at how they did um the one thing that i think is important to talk through, especially if you're listening and maybe you've never had this and you're thinking about it. Um, accountability is not, it is not abuse. And I think people try and justify that some way to where, when it is like, Hey, listen, you said you're not this, oh, they're abusive. They're controlling they're gaslighting there, whatever it may be. And, and yes, some people can take it too far, right? Within, within how they're going to handle things. Um, But at least my goal as someone who would keep someone accountable, and I know through Pastor Nate and even you, Colin and Travis, like our goal is not to gaslight or abuse people. But I feel like that comes out a lot, like when you when you try and hold someone accountable, it's like as if you've just taken them in the back room and beat them, and all you said was like, "Hey, could you, you know,
3: you and your girlfriend shouldn't be having sex together. You're not married."
1: Yeah. Abuse. You say it
3: in a kind way.
1: Yeah. You know?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's not abuse. That's just like, I want, I just want people to to realize that it's not abuse. I don't, I don't care for my sake what you're doing to yourself, but I love you and want you to follow Jesus. And so I'm bringing it up for you. Uh, and so just, that mindset around accountability is so, so rough.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: and like I heard it said, someone came out to me
2: afterwards and, you know, they just, they, us for talking about accountability, um, because he's involved in the recovery community and, and Mm -hmm. talks about like the importance of accountability within the context of the recovery community, you know, accountability saves lives. And, and I think that's the case even in the Christian community and, and in our own lives, accountability can really save our lives. It can really <laughs> save us from going down a path that we do not want to go down. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you're you're having sex with your girlfriend and you're not married. You should stop that. That accountability is going to save you from so much. Hurt, potentially, yeah. you know, um, it, it's going to save you some from so many consequences and, and things that, you just don't want to even have to think about because God has a plan for marriage and he has a plan for these things and there's a reason why he has a plan for these things because they go well because they're blessed and you know submitting ourselves to accountability and hearing those things matters
1: and they can really change our lives yeah, it does matter yeah absolutely Hmm. I liked um I liked that this message that you brought it there, uh, Travis, because um, I feel like you you deepened a little bit of the meaning of our value together um, from the base value that we could take it from. Which I know, like nothing that that Pastor Nate has prayed through and said as our church culture is something as like surface level as you could initially take it. But you you helped us deepen it more. It's not just like Together, meaning uh, if this ministry's suffering, we're all suffering. Let's go in and help them together. Um, if your friend's moving out of their house, we're all gonna go help them move out of their house. Like that is a nice surface level way to see it, and I think that's still an important way. Like together, all ministries united, all locations united. But now y- y- you helped us learn that value. In a deeper model as well, together in every area of my life, my church is with me. Um, so I appreciated that. I liked how you carried that and how you brought that through.
3: Colin or Travis, talk because you guys both came to Christ outside of Restoration Church. Mm -hmm. Talk about um growing up in another church, what that looked like, like walking. Together, growing in Christ together with with other believers. When it's going well, what does it look like, or what did you experience?
2: Yeah, I mean, I grew up. So, conversation with a couple of people, guests or after the message, um, and I, I think they just assumed because I work for the AG that I grew up AG. Um, but I didn't. I didn't grow up in this. And was God? I grew up in an independent church, and I came to Christ in that church, and I saw what happened when. When a a leader who does not have a covering, does not have accountability, um, has a moral failure, has has an incident, um, and it just tore our church apart, it tore our family apart, and we we came to find that there wasn't really a sense of togetherness there. No one stuck together. No one rejoiced together. No one wept together. uh, Like we all just scattered. Um, And then moving on to the next church I was a part of, that was one of the biggest things. Like, oh, we're family. We're family. We're family. Um, but then when there was a staff change or when someone would, would leave, we would be almost instructed to not have any contact with them to, to like, like once they're out, like we don't, we don't talk to them. And it's like, that's not being a family. That's not being together. Like That is bizarre. It, it, yeah, and I
3: experienced that on the other side of it when I was 20 and I had to leave that church in Texas.
2: We, they, we were
3: told, don't talk to anybody from the church. That's bizarre. Anyway.
2: Continue. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I say all that to Now, you know, we've been part of restoration, you know, on and off, you know, what, five years. Um, like I said, even when I was at the other church, I was still watching, you know, restoration and, and being a part of it. Um, and so like, I, I have seen this sense of together. And, and I think one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it to that level is, is because it's it's the core value of together that has really helped me as an individual through restoration. The, the fellowship, but also the accountability. I am the leader I am today because of the relationships, the fellowship and the accountability that has um, been able to cultivate at restoration. Um, yeah. I've seen when it doesn't go good and I've seen when it does go good. That's good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in a church basically where the entire church was just like a click around the pastor, where there was like probably eight people. And there was like two, a couple people on the worship team, a couple people who sat in the front row, and then the pastor, and they were all just a group of friends. Um, and to get into that was very difficult. Um, so they never did any outreaches. They never did. Um, if we had new people, there was no like assim- there was no like follow up system like. Um, there was like no system at all for anything. Um, since I left that church, I think they've gone through like seven, seven pastors altogether. Um, that have kind of, they're, have just been like cycled. Um, and it's kind of like sad to see, right. That, um, that movement of like, oh, like we're the church, we're together, but I'm going to have my click. And, um, so that, that was kind of sad growing up watching um, even like a family of eight, um, at the time, like we were, we were all trying to like get involved in the church and like serve in different places. And it just felt like we couldn't, um, it wasn't until later on that they got desperate and they're like, oh, we need a drummer. I'm like, well, I'll do it. (laughs) Um, and, um, so it was very difficult. And then moving to a different church, um, before coming to restoration, um, it was, uh, it was, I think it was, it's part of the same um, group is like um Christian something, it's like the CCC. I don't even know what that is. It's like I think it's similar to Assemblies of God, but um, but just seeing that like their approach on things were a lot different and um, they wanted people serving, they wanted like people in circles, and that's where I started to get like a little glimpse of that. But it was still like it, at the time I left the church because it was like it was far, and then the some of the people again were like very clicky, um, but. Since coming to restoration, I I too have been here for like five years um in August, which is really cool. Um, but um just that sense of like I, I got involved, I was able to join a circle, I like there's a lot of things that I was able to do. Um and just seeing the the past hurt of all the churches. And like I said, like we we've talked to the leadership team and we've had coachings where they talk through um what those churches will look like in like five years. Um, But just like being able to experience like the different stages of the churches um, was also very different. Um, I don't think I've ever experienced a church like restoration where I'm able to actually be involved and have fun doing it with all, with everyone. Um, No matter whether it's like people I serve with in the youth team or people who um, I just see on a Sunday. So definitely, definitely a huge culture shift in church
3: alone. So, cool. Well, that's good stuff. I, uh, I've only, I, I primarily only been at restoration church, so I can only think of it like in seasons this decade. It was like this, this decade. It was like this, <laughs> but when it's going well, you, when it's going well, the relationships are natural you're naturally picking up the phone to call or text each other. You're naturally spending time with each other. And it, it, it takes a while to get there. And then because the church is always growing and people are changing and moving and culture is more transient than it was 30 years ago. It, it's harder. Um, because people are in and out of new England and it didn't used to be that way. Um the whole the whole time I went to restoration church as a kid we lived in two houses. Mm. Um for my kids I think we've lived in like my older kids we've lived in like six or seven different houses all in the same area but we've moved a lot more. Yeah. And um and people do that a lot more. So it does make the the some of the long-term friendship it feels it can feel like you're always starting over. But, but it's still good, right? I, I said at Milton Church on Sunday that um, if you come to worship night, the people who come to worship night, they have friends at every location. Yeah. And I think that's an amazing thing that you yeah. show up at any location and you have names memorized. You know each other. You've got memories together. Yeah. Um, but yet, but yet you don't go essentially to the same location you live an hour and a half apart.
0: Yeah. I think it's cool. Um when Hannah first moved to Plymouth, um she is like and we would be closing after Sunday service. Um I would always I always go and talk to the food pantry people as they're setting up and she'd always be kind of like confused how like how even with them like how relationships like how many relationships I have with them. And how I can just be like, actually like go over and like tease Judy in the food pantry of like something that she did. And um, just like having that friendship, I think is like, is powerful, even within a in a church that is doing things like good, right? That are, are like are doing circles, are getting people connected, are getting people discipled, are in placing things of accountability. Like we have the Follow Jesus that's coming up soon where um with our spiritual walk they like people can be um held to that accountability of of that and i just think that's so cool that we set that up for people to be successful in their walk.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, there's well, definitely a a, uh, a pathway, right? So someone that comes to restoration for the first time um the the way that You guys have worked on the systems and 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 that that side of things, just to give a peek behind the curtain. You know, it's hey, we don't want them just to be a church goer. We want them to be together with us. So, so how can we get them immediately into fellowship? How can we get them immediately apart what we're doing? And it's it's unlike you really see in a lot of other places. Other places it's like, oh, you can, hey, thank you so much. Here's a gift. We'll follow up in a couple of weeks. And to embody that idea of together in that fellowship uh, and then to take it into that level of accountability. I think, you know, we're starting to see the benefits of that. We're starting to see the, the, the rewards of that, but I think we're going to see them in dividends uh, coming in the near.
1: Yeah, that's good.
3: I think we really do want you to be a part of the church and you don't have to be with friends with me to be part of the church knowing me is not going to make your church experience any better. Um, being best friends with one of the location pastors isn't going to make your experience any better. Mm. It is just, but, but getting in that group of, of having multiple friendships of, of people in the church and it's not in leadership. It's with other people in the church. Yeah. And when that happens, all of, all of a sudden, it, it, it just something's unlocked with real deep yeah. Christian friendship. Yeah. Uh, when you're serving together and worshiping together and hanging out together, um, correcting each other, you, you know, I would say that's more a rare thing unless you're in leadership, but, but it does happen. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, It's an amazing thing. And and you spiritually grow so much through that. Um, so we obviously won't want everybody to do that. And then for anybody coming to Restoration Church from a non-Assemblies of God Church or from any other church, Assemblies isn't perfect, but nothing's perfect. There's no church model or organization <laughs> anywhere that's perfect. We love what we have. Um, there's protection, you know. There's someone looking over my shoulder to make sure that I'm right doctrinally, mm-hmm. um, ethically, spiritually, financially. Like they're they're looking over, which is a protection for the church. They're there to protect the church. Should I go haywire? Um, and then the you know we haven't even talked about the benefits of what we do together. Um, you, you know, within the assemblies of God, the teenagers of the assemblies of God gave over $10 million. Mm. The kids and teenagers, Travis, what's that number? What'd they give nationally? Was it over 20 million?
2: Um. Yeah. I want to say, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. The teenagers gave over 16 million and the kids gave over 11. So I want to say it was just shy of $30 million combined.
3: Kids and teenagers missions yeah. giving. And then Amazing. that, a huge, that's a benefit um, because if we were running this race by ourselves, we wouldn't be giving as much as we're giving, but we're, insp- others have inspired us to give and, and believe and we're inspiring others on what they're giving and, and, and what they're believing for. And that's one of the great benefits going to general counsel, which is every two years and you show up and you're in some years, there's like 20,000 people there. Plus another twenty thousand teenagers there uh, at the national youth convention. You walk around, and the very first time you go, I don't know if you guys felt this, but it, I was the first time I went was two thousand fifteen, and I was like, "Holy smokes, this is amazing! This is mm. nothing what I thought it was going to be like." Yeah, and the AG is nothing like I thought it <laughs> probably was. Um, and it broke that paradigm, and it made me more proud to be a part of it.
2: Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, it was difficult because I think like there's a large part of me that wanted to like really just hone and focus in on the AG and the summons of God. Uh, sorry if you heard that giant truck go by. Nope. Um, but at the same time, like uh, I think it's important to see that that we have a cover and that what what. What the AG offers us also offers us as a local church, and what we can do with one another. And so it was it it was trying to find that dynamic between the two. Um, But I agree. I think like we could have just done a series on the AG um, and all the different aspects of the AG um, because it's 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 more vast than just fellowship and accountability. Um, There's a lot more benefits and and a lot more um, areas where uh, being a part of such a fellowship like this comes just paramount to the the life of a believer and the life of a pastor.
0: Yeah. Even like, even my benefit, like my point of view from benefiting from the assemblies of God, like I have tons of friends now that are all around Northern Mm -hmm. New England, um, that when we do get together at like invest and things like that. Um, like we, like I, I went, we went to, we brought, um, Matt and, um, uh, his space is named Marty to Buffalo Wild Wings. And we just hung out with them and it was really cool um, because like we have that friendship and like yeah. now even my barber is uh, someone who I used to serve in youth with, like, um, like with assemblies of God. and So like, I just think it's so cool that there's such a relationship portion of it too, where it's like, Hey, we're all here for one thing. And that's, that's to pursue Christ and um, to let people know who he is. And um, I just think it's so cool that, Um, of those relationships that we can also have with that. Absolutely. Do
3: you guys have any recommendations for the crew on any of the things that we've talked about?
1: I don't know if I've, we've referenced the podcast before, but I don't know if I've done the, um, the episode I was thinking of when we were talking about accountability and blind spots, um, the emotionally healthy leader podcast has one that's called whitewashed walls and blind spots, something like that. Um, That's really good. Uh, Yeah. Blind spots and whitewashed walls um, is really good. And he goes through that idea of like surface level uh, correction and, and actually getting inside and and building a good foundation. Um, And I thought that one was really good. But then uh, another two-parter series that he did, Disrupting False Peace as God's Path to True Peacemaking. Just the idea, again, we're not yes-men for everyone in in the direction that they're looking to go. Sometimes we have to disrupt some false peace to bring God's truth out. And that's what happens when you're going through accountability. Like, you just want someone to affirm what you want to do, but that's not what we're called to do as believers. And we're meant to disrupt the false peace the enemy tries to give to, to get the truth of God out. So right. those two, I think, really stood out and just in the conversation that we've had. Um, Rob Ketterling has a book, um, Speed of Unity.
0: Um, you'll know it when you feel it. Um, specifically with that book, um, he's talking through the success of the team. Um, and I feel like even wherever you're at, I feel like it'll, it'll definitely help you with the act, the accountability of the friendship portion, um, because it talks through, um, how to be successful in, in what you do and achieve goals and, um, and, and not just with individual accomplishments as well. Um, so it's an all around great book, even, especially as we're talking about friendship. Um, I think unity is definitely a key aspect of that.
3: That's good. Definitely. Definitely.
0: Yeah, that's great. Good thoughts.
3: Well, gentlemen, it was great to talk with you. Travis, thanks for preaching yesterday.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. We'll have to go to IHOP now. (laughs) (laughs) Too rich for my blood.
3: (laughs) I would say Denny's is definitely an upgrade to IHOP, though, by the way. Yeah, those orders reversed. Let's just clear so, that up before one we end tore this. Down. So <laughs> It could be just a lamb sale acquisition. The IHOP, there's only one IHOP around. Well, I guess there's one in Portsmouth, one in Rochester. I've only eaten at each of them one time.
2: That's Honestly, if I'm no being good. completely honest, I think I have eaten at Denny's more than IHOP. But um, yeah.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, now that I know that IHOP is what you expect as top of the food chain i'll be sure
0: friend yeah i'll be sure to uh bless you
3: in the future (laughs) perfect podcast listeners have a great day we love you Catch you later bye